What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your Bills-related podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined, of course, by Jamie D'Amico here. As part of the Believe crew, we are continuing with our State of the Buffalo Bills off-season series. We are roaring through these podcasts, getting ready for the draft coming up in a couple of weeks. And today on the podcast, we are going to be discussing the state of the cornerbacks. The only position, in my humble opinion, and many people who follow the Bills, uh, that does not have a starter confirmed is cornerback two. This is a position, Jamie, where the Bills are very top-heavy with their all-pro Pro Bowler Trey White, and then they're banking on a lot from Levi Wallace, you know, coming back. They've been trying to replace him, it seems like, for the last couple of years. So knowing that this is one of the few positions, if not the only position, where a starter's job can still be had, I thought it was a fun time to break down the state of the corners. And let's get into it. When you think of the Buffalo Bills cornerbacks, what are your thoughts? You look at what they've done over the past few years. Josh Norman, EJ Gaines, Kevin Johnson. These are players that the Bills hoped would add competition, and they did. But who keeps rising to the surface? It's been Levi Wallace. And let's get this out of the way. Just right out of the gate. Levi Wallace is not a bad player. He's not a complete liability out there. He's not an embarrassment. He has limitations. He's not terribly fast. He's not terribly physical. And he doesn't he doesn't uh, have the best ball skills. But he tackles well. He plays good zone defense. And that is a guy who I would like to see the Bills improve upon. I would like to see the starting defense be able to play more man-to-man if they want to. To have a cornerback who has the foot speed to run with the faster receivers. Somebody who, I mean, nobody's going to catch Tyreek Hill from behind, but somebody who isn't going to get completely left in the dust by Tyreek Hill and players of his ilk. Levi Wallace is not on that level, but we could be doing a hell of a lot worse than him. There was um, a quote I heard when people were talking about Levi Wallace and the biggest most frequently repeated words that seem to come up when talking about Levi serviceable is right at the top and the floor and the ceiling, you know, you know what you're getting 
with with Levi Wallace. You know, he's never going to. And I guess without saying those words, I said all of those words, didn't I? <laughs> you did. You hit it in a nutshell, buddy. <laughs> I mean, basically, that's exactly right. You know, Levi Wallace, you could do a hell of a lot worse than him, but you also could do a hell of a lot better, too. Now, granted, I believe he's only making a hair. He's not making more than, what, $2 million coming up this year. He's at vet minimum. He's a veteran minimum guy. So for a cash-strapped team to bring back a starting cornerback like Levi Wallace at the veteran minimum is another reason you tip your hat towards Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and what they've done with this franchise. That being said, you're right. The Bills can do a hell of a lot better than Levi as their cornerback too. Um, and that, that's the thing, that, Jamie. The Bills are spoiled in the sense that you can plug and play, and they've tried to plug and play anybody who they thought would be serviceable opposite Trey White. When you've got that lockdown corner uh, on the one side, the other corner is going to get targeted more. It's just the nature of the past happy NFL. Of course, we're not going to go towards your all pro lockdown shutdown corner and Trey White. We're going to challenge whoever's on the opposite side of the field. And that has been Levi Wallace for the most part over the last two years. Uh, he has proven himself to again be consistent in his inconsistencies. You know, he he goes through stretches where Ryan Fitzpatrick torches him uh, in week two in that Bills close victory. And then he will completely shut down the Pittsburgh Steelers passing attack on a Sunday night football and come up with an acrobatic interception along the sidelines that turn the momentum towards Buffalo's favor. So I know we're glossing over Trey White. We'll get to him in a minute. But I think all of the conversations about the cornerbacks starts and stops with Levi Wallace. Now, he's he's coming back. He's got this veteran minimum deal. What do you like about what Levi brings to the table? Let's start with the positive part here. Okay, the positive part is the guy can tackle and he closes well when he's playing zone. Levi Wallace was made to play zone defense. So the in-breaking routes, Wallace is good. Wallace tends to be in the right spot at the right time. You don't get a lot of blown coverages. And also, he will stick his nose in there on running plays, even though he's a small guy. Uh, he's not a great uh, run defender, but he's a willing tackler. And I know when you're talking about a corner, you really want ball skills. And that's that's not his thing. But we you said it before. He is consistent. Okay, granted, you have certain receivers that are going to bang him up. Usually they are big, bigger-bodied receivers. But, you know, not every receiver is 6'3 and 220. And I think that's exactly right where, you know, when you look at what Levi does, of course he's going to get manhandled against, you know, the taller. I think Jarvis Landry had a really solid game against him um, when they played the Cleveland Browns, um, you know, they're, they're the bigger physical receivers have been able to push around Levi Wallace. And he's not the best when it comes to, again, closing. If he gets beat, that's where you're going to beat him. Like, that's it's, it's a cliche, I know, to say it, but and it's Captain Obvious. But when he gets beat, it's hard to recover from him. He needs to be one of those guys who is more of a zone heavy corner and he's got good instincts in that zone coverage but when it comes to press situations and man situations Levi can be had and that's where I think a lot of Bills fans are upset because if you bring in say a, a lockdown corner like a JC Horn out of South Carolina or a Caleb Farley or 
Uh, there's a, a really solid cornerback uh, from Georgia who's really quick and really speedy, um, Eric uh, Stokes. Uh, or Greg Newsom of, of Northwestern or Asante Samuel. I think that's why this to me, Jamie has been the biggest reason I think Buffalo is going to draft a corner with number 30 is it makes so much sense given the plethora of cornerbacks that are available and out there. And the fact that you're not going to get an edge rusher who's of the same pedigree that late in the first round. So no wonder bills fans are connecting the dots and saying that the corner CB two is going to be the first tra- uh, first target, if you will, with pick 30. I know this isn't a draft show, but I couldn't agree more. That's where value meets need meets draft position. It's it's going to be a corner. We we can almost promise the listeners that, right? I would say that. I mean, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of talented edge rushers. There's no way they're going to be there at 30. Whereas all the mock drafts I have read, Asante Samuel is probably going to be gone before 30 but a Greg Newsom or an Eric Stokes from Georgia or, you know, you name it, you know, there's uh, Caleb Farley. Again, we talked about him. I don't think JC Horn's going to be there, but it makes too much sense for Buffalo to draft a cornerback. And I have no problem whatsoever with Buffalo spending that number 30 pick on a corner, knowing that Levi Wallace is the incumbent. And if he gets beat out, then you've, spent a league veteran minimum salary on a guy who can still fill in and give you above average productivity at the cornerback too. I'm fine with that all day long. He'll end up starting games. Injuries are a part of it. And you've got a guy who's proven he can start in the NFL and he's backing up your top two. Yes. I'll take that every day of the week. He's a valuable member of the team, whether he's starting or a backup. The one concern I, I have about Levi, besides like we talked about where he doesn't close as well as he, he needs to, he can be vulnerable in the man coverage. He also gives up the big plays. He's given up eight touchdowns combined in 19 and 20, and he allowed nearly 13 yards a catch in 2020, ranking in the bottom half of the league for starting cornerbacks. So as consistent as he can be average with his play, he's averagely consistent. And as reliable as the fact that you know he's going to be out there, the Bills can still improve at cornerback too. And that's where, again, I think we're both agreeing that um, in the zone system, uh, in a zone-heavy Bills system, Levi is a decent fit, but the Bills can do a lot better. And that's why I think you'll see the draft be the place they turn to to uh, shore up this cornerback too. Because, Jamie, let's talk a little bit about Trey White. You know, I, I, I love the fact of how lost – Trey gets when it comes to praise being heaped on these Buffalo Bills. The 27 overall pick in the same draft where the Bills traded away the rights to get Patrick Mahomes, Trey White has proven himself to be every bit the worthwhile cornerback that Buffalo got when they drafted him. They gave him the massive extension, but relatively cheap compared to what Jalen Ramsey and uh, his cohorts uh, got in the cornerback position. I always feel so comfortable knowing that Trey White is back there as my CB1. It's almost like you plug him in there, he makes big plays, and you just forget about it. You don't need to worry about whether he's going to bring it because big game Trey always brings it. You know, it's like, what is there to say about the guy that hasn't already been said? He's so consistent. He's able to stay on the field. He, He plays the ball well. He could be a better run defender, but you know we're not going to knock him for that. 
we as Bills fans have one of the best corners in the NFL, and he has been that way since his rookie season. He doesn't get the accolades that other other players get because he's playing in Buffalo. And that's fine. That's the way I'd prefer it. Slide under the radar. Although at this point, after him being a first team all pro two years ago, I, I don't think he's sliding under anybody's radar anymore. Well, I, I don't think, okay, maybe maybe under the radar wasn't the, the right direction to go with it, but I feel like he is an unheralded superstar. And a lot of that comes from, again, being in Buffalo in the smaller market. But I, you, you can't knock the guy at all for what he does, for what he brings. He's never going to be the guy who's going to pull down 10 interceptions a year, but the Bills don't need him to do that. They've got those guys named Hyde and Poyer, who we'll talk about next week on the podcast, who can really cherry pick all the interceptions off of the great work that Trey White does. He is impressive in every facet of the cornerback game. He's impressive in his press coverage abilities. He's great at one-on-one situations against the opposing team's best wide receivers. I know that Bills fans want him to pick off more passes and break up more passes. I think he only had 11 pass breakups last year, according to pro football focus, but he still is somebody who the reason he's not breaking up all those passes is when the quarterback looks his way, they're like, shit, our guy's covered. Let's go the other way. Right. And the other thing is you get more of those sexy statistics in man to man coverage. And that's not the bill's base. They play, they play a zone. So, you know, he's not going to be in the hip pocket of the receivers all the time. And, you know, a lot of the receptions that you see in the NFL, it's man-to-man coverage. It's not even great coverage, but it's a bad throw, and they throw it directly to the defender. Um, you know, that's the Bills don't get those kinds of easy interceptions. When they get interceptions, it tends to be on an overthrow, and that's where the safeties are sitting. Uh, Trey White is going to be in usually in the shallow to mid zone. Sometimes he goes to a deep corner, but that's usually usually he's playing the underneath if he goes to uh, one of the back quarters uh, of the field. So yeah, the sexy stats aren't there, but what he does do is he covers his zone extremely efficiently and breaks on the ball well. And those are invaluable traits, again, given the fact that how much Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier want to play those zone-heavy schemes. The fact that you can line up Trey and you know he's going to take care of the boundary, he's going to take care of the middle of the zone, he can easily match up with a tight end like a Travis Kelsey as well as he can a number one wide receiver on the edge like a Devontae Adams. You know, I have no concerns with what Trey White is able to bring to the table. He's the perfect cornerback for this system. He allows Buffalo to do a hybrid when they need to of meshing between the zone and the man coverage. And I just, I think that you could not have asked for a better return on investment with that number 27 overall pick, which allowed Buffalo, by the way, the assets to trade up and get Josh Allen and get Tremaine Edmonds the following year. Let us not forget the hindsight game where Bill's people want to say, oh, well, the Bills could have had Patrick Mahomes if they hadn't made this trade. Yeah, they could have. But there's also no that that game is such a dangerous road to go down because you can't assume that Patrick Mahomes will be as successful in Buffalo as he was with Andy Reid, the play calling offensive genius that he had in Kansas City. And, you know, in the end of the day, the Bills got their quarterback. They got a top three MVP caliber guy in Josh Allen. And you have one of the top cornerbacks in the league in Trey White. And we haven't even talked, Jamie, about the fact that this is a guy who did his college ball at LSU. 
has been a Southerner his whole life. He has embraced the snow, the cold. He's one of the best goalies the Buffalo Bills have ever produced, by the way, too. Let (laughs) us not forget that. Oh, yeah. Boy, Trey, the hockey player. That's just entertaining, isn't it? I tell you, those videos for his goaltending academy when he's got like Dominic Hasek giving recommendations and, and Marty Baron being like, my game improved because of Trey White's goalie academy. I mean, it just goes to show that this guy is he's goofy. He's fun loving. But when he's on the field, he's all business. And I just again, I, I can't stop heaping praise on Trey White. And I want people who aren't Bills fans to realize how talented this guy is because he's just you plug him in and you forget about it. Absolutely. In in fact, I I know we're we have to talk about him because he's one of the best players on the Bills' entire roster. But we could almost do this segment without discussing him because we can just leave it as yeah, the guy's great. He'll be back next year. He's on a he's on an extension. We're going to see him for the foreseeable future. Awesome. And when you look at how much money he's getting again, that eighty seven million dollar contract. It pales in comparison. I think Jalen Ramsey got $120 million or $115 million uh, from the Rams for his contract extension. Like It's almost like the Bills benefit by having this small market mantra in that their players can get signed for less money because they're like, oh, wait, he plays in Buffalo and they don't really take him as seriously as they should. So the Bills benefit by getting somebody for $25 million less than a Jalen Ramsey. I'll take Trey White any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Again, you know, this is Brandon Bean getting value and it's a big contract, but just like all the rest of the contracts that are out there, the big ones, after a few years, they look like pretty good deals. Absolutely. Get that deal in before the market explodes. And and I want to say one more thing about Trey White, too, is the fact that he has been a chameleon with this defense. You know, we talk about him being excellent in zone coverage. When the Bills roll out their cover one scheme, they're like, you know what, Trey? We have total faith that you're going to go one-on-one with these best receivers on the boundary, and you're going to hold your own. And that wasn't, I mean, how long have the Bills been searching, you know, for this corner who can provide just that type of security in this past happy league? It's just, again, it's a match made in heaven. And uh, yeah, that's why I think it also opens up Buffalo to get creative with that number 30 pick and draft a corner because they can get someone who can really complement what Trey White does. And again, Levi is serviceable. He's a good floor for your cornerback too. But imagine how dangerous this defense could be if you finally find the guy who can step in and be that lockdown number two corner I don't know how teams are going to throw the ball on Buffalo with all the weapons they have on defense. It would be a lot like what the Patriots had a couple of years ago. Well, even this year, I guess, with uh, Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson. You want that J.C. Jackson, that guy you can get in the draft who ultimately ascends to being your best performing corner, even though he's playing across from an all-pro. That's what you want. Go back to the 1990s when the Buffalo Bills had Nate Odoms, an all-world corner. They had Kirby Jackson across from him, and that guy was damn good, and I want to see that again. Ugh, the nostalgia. I agree. I would. It's so great to relive the glory days of, man, I mean, Nate Odoms was such an, um, when, when he when he hurt himself in that, what, was it a beach football or a pickup basketball game? He hurt himself <laughs> in the offseason one year and was like never the same. That was a sad moment, man. Yeah, and then he left for the Seahawks along with Howard Ballard. And how did that work out for Nate Odoms in Seattle? Not too well from what I recall. Not too well. 
not too well. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, hopefully the Bills, we know that Brandon Bean listens to this podcast. So Brandon, you know what to do. Pick number 30. Go get the best possible corner available in the first round of the draft to start opposite Tredavious White. Now behind Trey and Levi, there is a guy who you talk about polarizing figures. Bills fans wanted to cut this guy uh, after the first four or five weeks of the season. And then they want to build a statue outside of the stadium after his pick sixes against Pittsburgh and the Baltimore Ravens. It's Taron Johnson, the epitome of an up and down season this guy had in 2020. I am of the school of thought, Jamie, that he is what he proved to be in the second half of last year and not what he was in the first part of 2020 when he really struggled. I mean, the Rams uh, threw at will against him. Uh, The Dolphins did too. It was a really tough start for Taron Johnson. Where do you see him uh, fitting in? Is it more the beginning part of Taron Johnson or more of the late season heroics that we saw from Buffalo's cornerback? I think it's more of the late season guy that we saw. And a lot of it had to do, a lot of his struggles had to do with his technique. His technique was very much to play man-to-man against whoever was in the slot, but he would get himself very quickly into a trail technique, and he would end up being a step or two behind because he wasn't reacting quickly enough. Well, the Bills, they, they got him to start staying closer to his man when they were coming off the line of scrimmage, which allowed him to react a little more quickly and not lose the ground. Now, what makes him so valuable? The guy can really play the run. He's a small build, but that guy fills gaps and running lanes with reckless abandon. And if you watch film on that guy, 
He's a valuable member of that defense. There's a reason Sean McDermott loves that guy. At his size, to play the run the way he does, maybe it doesn't make for a long career, but that dude is a gamer out there. Now, is he going to have a pick six, a hundred, you know, hundred plus yard pick six to turn games around often? No, he's absolutely not going to do that. But he is a solid nickel corner. Maybe they could do better than him. And if there's competition and somebody outplays him, great. I'm still happy to have him on the roster. He's not as bad as he was at the beginning of the season, and he's also not the hero he was in the playoffs. Yeah, if you think back over the last two years, I I challenge Bills fans to name three bigger defensive plays that happened than the pick six against Pittsburgh, the pick six against the Ravens, and the interception against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving in 2019. Taron Johnson was Johnny on the spot coming up with those big plays week in and week out where really the highlight real uh, interceptions when the bills needed a play, he stepped up. He is incredibly tough. Uh, he's incredibly physical for somebody who's less than 200 pounds. And that has come back to bite him because he has had a lot of injuries uh, early in his career. He did play, I think 16 games last year. So maybe he is getting a little bit more uh, well-versed in what it takes to be on the field and stay healthy, but he uses his body like a weapon out there when it comes to stopping the run. Uh, he's really solid too, when it comes to the short passing game, you know, he gets, because he gets physical because he doesn't let the receivers beat him off the spot. And that's what Taron Johnson does so well. What gives me cause for concern, Jamie, as tough as he is and as willing he is to scramble and mix it up, he is not good um, against uh, receivers who um, the, the team, the quarterbacks go on the intermediate to deep routes. Uh, and what I mean by that is he gave up the most yards and was in the bottom 10 in yards per snap, according to pro football focus that he surrendered um, on the field last year, meaning that when he's on the field more often than not, either he's going to stop the run and stop a short pass. But if you go deep, he's vulnerable and susceptible um, to getting burned by a receiver and getting burned by the quarterback. I don't have the exact yardage in front of me, but he gave up the most yards and receptions, according to Pro Football Focus, for those 15 and beyond, uh, 15 yard and beyond pass routes. So, again, it's one of those things you can do a lot worse than Taron Johnson, but I want to see those improvements. And a lot of that is skewed from the first five weeks when he was skewered out there as a member of the secondary. He was getting torched left and right, the Bills decided to bench him for Cam Lewis prior to the Chiefs game. Lewis gets hurt the very first series of that game, and Johnson came back in and was just a man possessed the rest of the year. So I'm hoping that those numbers uh, were off because of the first five weeks of the season and not what he did over a stretch run of the 2020 season. But I like Taron Johnson. You know, he Again, he's, he's really good at wrapping up the ball carrier. He had 94 tackles. Last year, he can be deployed on a blitz every now and then and hold his own. And the guy just seems to have a nose and a knack for finding the ball. And for your nickel corner, those are good traits to have. Amen. Now, I'm interested to see what Cam Lewis can do when he comes back. Is that the guy who they are going to want in the slot? Is Dane Jackson going to compete for that? Going to be interesting to see the competition coming up in 2021, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Let's let's take a moment to break down some of the rest of these uh, depth members of the secondary. And I'm glad you brought up Dane Jackson, the seventh round pick out of Pittsburgh, who I think had a very understated 
rookie season. Um, he was part of the practice squad for a while. He was elevated um, to the game day roster several times. He made two starts, had a big interception in that week uh, seven win over the Jets right before halftime when the Bills were floundering and apparently about to give up um, some crucial points to the Jets. Jackson stepped up, made a big pick, and really, you know, given what the expectations were for this guy, I think he played pretty well in the 20% of the snaps that he saw on the field as a cornerback for Buffalo. I don't think he's ever going to develop into that CB2, um, but you don't, he doesn't need to. He can be the valuable depth piece of the secondary because he's someone who, in the, again, the limited snaps he had on the field, I thought he performed very well. I see him as Levi Wallace with better skills at the catch point. That That's where I see him. I, I think their coverage abilities are going to be very similar. He is mostly a zone player. I, you don't want to lock that guy up with starting receivers one-on-one. But keep him in the zone, and I think he can battle for the ball better than Levi Wallace. But we'll see. That's just speculation. We haven't seen enough of him to know. Well, he does have the tools you want to see to possibly step up and be better than Levi Wallace. And the fact that he's he's bigger than Levi, he's a little bit more physical than Levi Wallace. And yet, despite being bigger and more physical, he also has enough speed where he's able to, unlike Levi, when he gets beat off of the first step at the line of scrimmage, Dane Jackson can close in and recover better on those receivers in zone coverage. So that right there gives him a leg up over Levi Wallace in the race to uh, climb up the depth chart, if you will, in the secondary. I just think it depends on, we've seen Levi do this for a longer period of time than Dane Jackson. Dane Jackson Mm -hmm. only had two starts. Levi's done this for two plus years. So, you know, Bills fans, Jamie, we love to fall in love with the unknown. We love to fall in love with the yet to have seen potential of Dane Jackson versus what Levi has put on paper and put on film over the last two plus years. Does anybody love the 53rd man on the roster or the players on the practice squad more than us Bills fans? Hell no. We are the ultimate rallyers for those guys who are the the, the roster on the roster fringes, you know, the the Duke Williamses, the Christian Wades, you know, the I mean, we can go on and on. The um Jake Kumaro from last year, you know, we're oh my gosh. Oh, don't get me started on Jake Kumaro. He is touchdown Jesus out there after that catch against the Broncos. And how could we lose him to the Saints practice squad? It's gonna be okay, Bills fans. We have a lot of talented receivers. <laughs> I love it though. You're right. Bills fans get fall in love more than almost anybody else with that fringe roster candidate. Now, how did you feel about the Josh Norman experiment? I I mean, obviously looking back on it, what are my memories of Josh Norman's time in Buffalo? It's getting completely destroyed on a stiff arm uh, by Derrick Henry <laughs> on that Tuesday night game where the Titans ran wild over Buffalo. I I didn't think it was a bad move at the time, although what did he get, like $7 million from the Bills last year, they could have... Yeah, six or seven. In hindsight, they could have spent that money in in better places. I thought it was not a bad kind of signing where the Bills needed some help at the cornerback two spot, but Josh Norman had also, you know, he had been toast in, in Washington. The one saving grace I thought was coming back to a McDermott defense where he was he was more out of place with the Washington football team and he would be more in his comfort zone in Buffalo But that really didn't prove to be the case last year, did it? No, it really didn't because 
offenses knew exactly what to do. If they saw the Bills lining up in man-to-man coverage and Norman was on the field, that was the receiver they were going to throw to every single time because, frankly, Josh Norman is at a point in his career that he cannot cover one-on-one anymore. And honestly, after this past season, he's probably going to have to retire because I don't see anybody picking him up. The one thing that I liked with him is he has good ball skills. I mean, he's got great hands for a defensive back, and that showed up a couple of times. He did make a very nice interception. I can't remember who it was against, but it was he was in a shallow zone, you know, jumped up, grabbed the ball. Most players couldn't have gotten their hands on it and, and squeezed it in, but he did. I was like, all right, this is why they got him. But then, you know, there, was, there wasn't much else. Uh, not a great tackler, can't cover one-on-one, and was literally thrown five yards by Derrick Henry, which is going to be shown in perpetuity in every NFL highlight show, every clip. You know, it's going to be like that Marshawn Lynch run um, against the Saints. You're just never going to be able to get away from it. And I hate it when those plays happen against the Bills. It's like being posterized in basketball. <laughs> it is exactly the NFL equivalent of being posterized uh, with what happened with Josh Norman versus Derrick Henry. And you're right. He's probably going to have to retire. I don't think he's latched on with anybody during this offseason. The Bills would much rather roll with who they have and draft somebody Uh, versus even giving a reduced salary contract to Josh Norman. He had a chance to prove what he had left in the tank, and I'm sorry, the tank is approaching zero, so I'm glad the Bills moved on from him for the 2021 season. Real quick, Jamie, I want to get your thoughts on two more members of the cornerback roster. One of them we touched on briefly, it's Cam Lewis, and the other is more of a special teams hero in Saran Neal. What do you make of those two guys? And I assume you feel like me, that Lewis is the one who actually could contribute uh, as a corner, whereas Neil has really made his mark on special teams. The uh, the UB boy, Cam Lewis, he looks like a guy who the Bills have been interested in developing, and he has shown well in preseason, supposedly, this past year. He's got the quicks, looks like he can play corner. He may, may be able to find his way onto the field. Now, Saran Neal, I actually had higher hopes for, uh, than the production we've actually seen out of him. He looks like the kind of guy who can probably be replaced if they bring somebody else in. If they draft a corner, there's probably two cornerback positions available right now. And I say that the first one who's currently on the squad to get cut will probably be Neil. He he is uh, a poor man's Taron Johnson uh, when it comes to the inside. I know he was more of a hybrid safety corner last year. He moved to the cornerback spot uh, for 2020. Really didn't do too much. I, I think he saw 10% of the snaps at corner. Nothing to write home about. One pass breakup and 13 tackles. Um, his special teams acumen is definitely what keeps him on this roster uh, when you consider how Taron Johnson improved his play the second half of the year. So Neil is either going to see special teams reps. Maybe he moves back to safety depth with Dean Marlowe going away to the Detroit lions this off season. But I feel like Cam Lewis is the guy who, if any of these end roster players is going to make an impact, it's going to be Cam Lewis just based on the fact that he, I don't know. There's something about him where 
what we saw in what we heard about the team in practice and what you saw in very limited action against the Tennessee Titans, he held his own, you know, he held his own against a team that likes to do those quick passing routes with Ryan Tannehill and their talented receivers. I think Cam Lewis is perfect for this team as an end of the rotation corner. Um, Maybe he's got more to contribute, but right now if he's your, your fifth cornerback, that's fine with me. I wonder because he is also not a large guy coming in at five nine hundred eighty three pounds. Um, yeah, I wonder if a player like him getting injured when he first saw action is not a fluke. If he is solid enough to last in the NFL, I guess we'll we'll find out. That's a good question. When it comes to the durability of someone who's not as physical and not as, as strong, if you will, as the other corners on the roster, but. All right, Jamie, let's summarize here for the Believe Podcasters. So the Bills obviously in great shape with cornerback one. We both agree that they should use the draft, especially pick number 30, to get competition for Levi Wallace at cornerback two. And then behind that, there's some uncertainties, but it's not like the sky is falling when you can trot out Taron Johnson uh, and Levi Wallace as, say, your third and fourth corners with a pretty underrated um, ability for the seventh rounder, Dane Jackson in particular, to possibly show off his skills. I feel pretty good about this position, um, although, again, adding another playmaker in the draft would make me feel even better because this is the one unit where there really is a starter's role open and ready for the taking. I'm always one for upgrading any position, and this feels like one where that could help. Well, let's see what the Bills do coming up for the draft in a couple of weeks. That will do it here Uh, for our state of the Buffalo Bills on the cornerback position. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this important piece of the secondary, what you like. Should the Bills use pick number 30 on a corner uh, or are you comfortable with Levi Wallace going in as your CB2 to start the season? Get involved with us on social media. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico and I am at John Boccasino. You can also comment on these articles when they're published on buffalorumblings.com. Signing off for Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino. We will continue our State of the Bills series next week, looking at the safeties. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.